Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. Welcome to Meat Eater Trivia, the only game show where conservation always wins. I'm your host, Spencer Newarth, and today we're joined by Stephen Ranella, Brody Henderson, Seth Morris, Chester Floyd, Corinne Schneider, Corey Calkins, Kelsey Johnson. Kelsey Morris. Kelsey Morris Johnson and special guest Jim Heffelfinger. If you're not familiar, this is a 10-round quiz show with questions from Meat Eaters for Verticals which are hunting, fishing, conservation, and cooking. And there is a prize. Meat Eater will donate $500 to the conservation organization of the winner's choosing. Now, Kelsey, this is your first time playing trivia. How do you feel about your odds? Well, I'm going to beat Seth, that's for sure. You think so? Yeah. Seth? No doubt. Any input there? Uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if she did, honestly. <laughs> okay, good. We, we need a new rivalry in the room. Yeah. And after this episode, Jim will be the only guest who has played trivia twice. So going into your second round of trivia, how do you feel about your chances this time, Jim? I'd like to donate to the Mueller Foundation. <laughs> okay. He is, he is very confident. Now, every episode, we reveal a new trivia stat. And this week, we're looking at Jim's performance on episode 307. Jim got seven correct answers, which was good enough for second place. He lost to Steven Ranella that game, who got eight <laughs> right answers. They were both tied going into the final question, but Jim couldn't come up with what fish goes by the nickname Copperbelly. Steve knew it was bluegill, and that gave him the victory. Jim, you feel any different about fishing questions this time around, or, or do you still leak confidence when it no, comes I to No, I think those? my performance today depends on the number of bullshit fish questions. Okay. Hey, well, did you throw him a bone last time? I did not. We hadn't uh, adopted that rule quite yet. <laughs> but so you're throwing him a bone this time. I, will, he, I would consider. Is Jim a guest? Two this time. Second. No, not at this point, no. <laughs> Jim is a guest, so he will get one bone thrown to him. Now, although Jim couldn't pull off the win, he is tied with Andrew Zimmern for the most correct answers by a guest. So, Jim, you do have that going for you. On a previous game of trivia, we have some housekeeping to get to here. On a previous game of trivia... I said that the world's longest mule deer migration is a 150-mile journey that starts and ends in Wyoming. This event is referred to as the Red Desert to Hoback Migration. But our very own guest, Jim Heffelfinger, wrote in to let me know that in 2018, 
biologists discovered an amazing extension of this journey that changes what we previously knew about this deer herd. So, Jim, tell folks about doe number 255. Yeah, doe number 255, everybody talks about the Red Desert to hold back. It's been, it's been illustrated and, and studied quite a bit. But as you said, in, in 2018, this one doe, 255, did that Red Desert from South Central Wyoming to Hoback and then continued, left all of her herdmates, continued up into Idaho for a total of 242-mile one-way trip, extending that. So it does not stop in, in Wyoming, um, but continues on to Idaho and, and, and then extends that, which is the longest migration in the lower 48 for an ungulate. And I think they said she's now done it six times over that Hmm. she's done that same journey. So it's like a real uh, migration that she's pulling off. Yeah, right. She did that the first time. And and so they didn't know that was just some errant movement up that far. And so they they waited to see if she was going to come back and her radio collar failed. So then they had no idea. Mm. Was that just a, a spurious thing? And then every year they capture more animals in Red Desert on the winter range there. And in the course of capturing it, they act, captured her back in the Red Desert, put another collar on, and then have been monitoring her ever since. Wow. It's, it's amazing. Wow. You watch an animation of where that deer traveled to get there, and you're like, okay, it's going to stop here. All right, it can't go any further, right? Like, all right, that's it, right? And it just keeps going. It's just crazy. One of the people who worked on that project actually wrote in and said that they discovered another group that is peeling off and going into Idaho, making that a 200-mile migration, which beats the the traditional Red Desert to Hoback. Uh, but Doe 255 right now holds the record. Now, the Shelby Index for this round of trivia is a two and a half. So this is a tougher batch of questions. I don't know. I don't think it's uh, a really tough batch. I think maybe it's more... Uh, there's more questions that are true to our four verticals that are more endemic, less non-endemic questions. So it's a tougher batch uh, if you're not a hardcore hunter and angler. And with that, we're on our game of trivia. Play the drop, Corinne. Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win Everything. Question one, the topic is fishing, and as always, this will be multiple choice. (laughs) What fishing line company created the Not Wars video series in the mid-2000s? Is it Power Pro, Suffix, Cast King, or Berkeley? What fishing line company created the Not Wars video series in the mid-2000s? Was it Power Pro, Suffix, Cast King, or Berkeley? Chester, Seth, did you boys know this one? No. No, I don't, I don't know of this. I don't know of the series. It's a great series. Got to go watch it if you haven't seen it. Does everybody have an answer? Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying Berkeley. Jim saying Berkeley. Chester saying Berkeley. Brody saying Berkeley. Corey saying Suffix. Kelsey saying Suffix. And Seth saying Berkeley. The correct answer is Berkeley. Hey! Oh my God. What'd How you have, much Brody? shit talking are you Berkeley, allowed buddy? to do in this room? <laughs> as much as you need. You better, be, you better be worried about me, not Brody. Berkeley yeah. created a custom knot strength testing machine and used it to gather data on dozens of knots. They finally crowned their champions in 2010, declaring the fish and fool knot the strongest knot for mono or braid and the triple loop knot the strongest for fluoro. 
You know, I feel like we could take our Warner Brax or Shear Force test and just do not strength tests with it. Yeah, probably. Not, hey, not but exactly some, sure that will work. You know, to, yeah, just it measures resistance. But to a point, Steve, a lot of the times the knot won't break and the line will first. Like if it's a good tied knot. You need to go watch the Knot Wars series. It's great. Okay. They found they found probably like 10 knots that would actually increase the strength of line. So if you had 20-pound line, they found some that would go 130% of that strength, and they were hitting like 26, 27 pounds of force before it was busting. Really cool series. You learn a lot. Question two, the topic is conservation. This is our listener question of the week, which was won by Phil Huey. For sending this great question, Phil is going to get a signed copy of the Scavenger's Guide to Oat Cuisine. If you want a chance to win the listener question of the week, then send your question to trivia at TheMeatEater.com. There are three states where wolves weren't extirpated. Name two of them. There are three states where wolves weren't extirpated. Name two of those states. How you feel about this one, Jim? I think you had the quickest answers in the room. I feel pretty good, but not 100%. We'll see. Steve, you know this one? Oh, yeah. Do you know all three, you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does so everybody have an two? answer? Just looking I, for two of the three. Yeah. Chester's still thinking. Do you have one of them, Chester? I think. Okay. You'll be good tuned, Chester. Thinking and drinking. Thinking that's and that's drinking? probably done already. I think <laughs> it has been. <laughs> Gotta be. That was random, kind of, a little bit. Well, I, you know, whenever I look at you, I try to think of songs for you to sing at your live show in Atlanta. <laughs> thinking and drinking? Mm. Oh. That's stupid. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been done by multiple country uh, artists at no this way point. There's no way it hasn't. Uh, Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying Alaska and Minnesota. Jim saying Minnesota and Montana. Chester saying Alaska and Minnesota. Brody saying Wisconsin and Minnesota. Corey saying Wisconsin and Minnesota. Kelsey saying Michigan and Montana. And Seth saying Washington and Idaho. The three states are Alaska, Minnesota, and Michigan. So the room did pretty well. Although wolves were extirpated from places like Washington, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona, and Wisconsin, they were never fully removed from Alaska, Minnesota, or Michigan. Michigan was actually down to just one confirmed male in 1959, a year before they ended the state's bounty program. Did Montana not have some that were crossing back and forth on the border? I might have to send you an email. Okay. Yeah. You, you follow, well, that's that's where it gets a little that. tricky because they were cross. They were, you this, know, periodically crossing the border. And the same thing with Michigan. Like, like the lake would get a good freeze and some had squirted across. You know. This was according to the yeah. U.S. Fish and Wildlife yep, Service. Yep, yep, so yep, you yep. can argue with them, Jim. Like there were definitely periods of time when there were none in Montana. No. Question three: The topic is cooking. What herb comes from the leaves of coriander plants? Mm. What herb comes from the leaves of coriander plants? You guys should all know this. Yeah, yeah. Why is that, Corinne? Don't give too many hints. Shush, shut your trap. I'm not saying anything. Okay. A pretty heavy hint, though. Anyway. I'm just trying to think, like, what... What cuisine is coriander? Just, let's just <laughs> do our, like, I'm thinking, but I'm thinking in my mind. 
Steve wants just straight facts on He's this podcast. He's thinking and drinking in his mind. No banter. I'm thinking in my mind. <laughs> One more time. What Seven herb chat with his comes from the leaves of coriander plants? Bro, do you know this one? Yeah. Steve, you know this yes. one? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, we have folks still trying to come up with an answer. Corey, how you doing over there? Not good. Okay. Yeah, when when are we going to come up with a formal amount of time at which the, you're, the, you're the, done the thinking? The, the podcast needs an informal amount of time, just so a, a question can breathe and we can have some banter. That's and yeah, have, yeah. That's yeah. Have, that's I, I know. And I mean, like to have a like stopwatch. <laughs> I need, no, I, no, 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 I need to just is, have a minute. Is everybody ready? Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying cilantro, oh cilantro. Chester saying oregano. Brody saying cilantro. Corey saying thyme. Kelsey saying cumin. Seth without an answer. The correct answer is cilantro. Now oh, this can be confusing because the dried seeds create the coriander spice, but the leaves and the stalk are known as cilantro. Cilantro is the Spanish name for the coriander leaves and is grouped in the parsley family. Do you, you want to hear a little tidbit about cilantro? Certainly. Um, something like 20% of the population has some genetic uh, predisposal to, like, cilantro tastes like Set. soap to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and 23andMe can tell you if you think cilantro tastes like soap. Yep. Mm. Seth I got has it. it. I like love chemicals. cilantro. Yeah, it's yeah. heartbreaking because I love cilantro. Yeah, same Terrible. thing in our in our marriage. I love cilantro. Shelby hates it. Yeah. Wasn't there one thing in Hawaii that we had that you said it was all right? Wasn't it like that that dip that we used with that goat or that sauce that we? Oh used yeah, because everything else drowned drowned the taste of the cilantro out. Yeah, that's I got two. That's the only you. reason why. But it's th- it's not a cilantro. But it's the previous question. You know how you said you felt dumb for not thinking of Alaska? Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite quotes I heard from a History Channel executive one time. He said, "Our audience." <laughs> oh no, he said. The only other country our audience is interested in is Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, too, by their show lineups. <laughs> question four. The topic is hunting. This next great question comes to us via Matt Campbell. If you have a question you think is right for Meat Eater Trivia, you can send it to trivia at themeateater.com. Now, this is a visual question. If you want to play along and see what the room is seeing, then go to Instagram and check out at Spencer Newharth. I'll make it my most recent post. Oh, maybe you could put it on, because uh, Instagram <laughs> stole Jim's Instagram account. Maybe you could put it on his new Instagram account, and he could try to recover. There you go. How's, how's that going so far, there. Jim? Have you recovered yeah. all the followers yet? No, no. no, he, no, got, no. he got his back and him knocked in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the question. These are considered to be the world's oldest duck decoys, which were discovered in a cave in Nevada. They are thought to be about 2,200 years old. What kind of duck is the decoy imitating? Again, these are considered to be the world's oldest duck decoys, which were discovered in a cave in Nevada. They are thought to be about 2,200 years old. And here's your question. What kind of duck is the decoy imitating? Some very quick answers from folks looking at the photo. Again, go to Instagram if you want to see this. How confident are you, Chester? You know this? Yeah. I'm Jim, confident. Jim, you're a deer guy. How about a duck guy? Yeah, I can I can hold my own. I went to high school in Horicon, which is at the southern end of the largest freshwater marsh in North America. So, I've Pretty seen cool some ducks. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
most expensive muskrats in the country. Hey, uh, have, you thrown, have you thrown him his bone yet? No. Well, not, not yet. Hope not. I didn't recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably that wolf one that I got wrong. Does everybody have an answer about what decoy this is? Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying canvas back. Jim saying canvas back. Canvas back. Brody saying redhead. Brody Corey saying canvas back. She choked. Kelsey saying mallard. mallard. Seth saying canvas back. They got it. It is a canvas back. I just didn't know if canvas backs went that far inland. Archaeologists. Go by what it looks like. A redhead. Well, you know what? I started writing redhead and changed my mind. Once there I you go. About it. So, <laughs> I was like, that's not what that is. Archaeologists Damn discovered it. 11 canvas back decoys in the Lovelock Cave, as well as a Isn't few others imitating Canada geese, snow geese, whistling swan, and mergansers. The ancient humans that built them used tule rushes to create the decoy shape and then tied real duck feathers to the woven cords. Archaeologists believe these decoys were placed on water with a fine net above them, which entangled birds that tried to land in the spread. That's nuts, man. That's great. And they look beautiful. Like, these oh, things gorgeous. are a work yeah. of art. Yeah. I'd like to go to that feathers. museum and take that. <laughs> they found After some, hours. They found some <laughs> other decoys in that cave as well that had uh, entire Canada goose heads stretched over the neck. So, like, really? they, they took and they skinned out a Canada goose neck kept the skull in the in the feathers and then stretched it on the decoy. So these things looked like as good and as ours And they were storing did. them in a cave, like it was like the storage unit. They, they had everything in this cave. Uh, the cave was a problem because they had some folks harvesting guana from there, mm. and those people didn't want to like come forward until they were satisfied with the amount of guana that they had taken out. So a lot of stuff was lost in that process. Got it. Uh, but yeah, they found tons of good things in there, including all these decoys. Wow, that's crazy. That's great. Question five, we'll get a scoreboard update after this. The topic is gear. What city is home to the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid? Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. What city is home to the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid? Anybody know this one? I think so. No, maybe not. I know Mm. the state. The Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. The Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. Oh. There's only one of them in the world. And what Dude. city? That's what where the city? headquarters is, right? Is it like an adjacent pyramid? Not going to say <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Shush. Looking for the city. Think to yourselves. Hmm. I've, I think I've been there. Just think <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> think to yourself. That's not going to give anything away. But why not just think to yourself? So people can hear. Some people think better if they talk out loud. <laughs> that and it makes it maybe a little more interesting. They yeah. always want us to talk. We either it's need, a better listener we either experience. Need Chester experience. to shut up or Steve to close his ears. Again, what city is home to the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid? You ever if been to Boston? I don't get this right. Just, it's all over for me. <laughs> I think my grandma was from there. <laughs> I think you can get a direct flight there from, from here. It's not giving it away, You're Steve. Giving it all away. <laughs> Does everybody have uh, an answer? Chester's yeah. trying to think of all the places he's been. <laughs> Coming up with a city. He's like Beijing. No, I've never been there. <laughs> Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying St. Louis, Jim saying Springfield, oh, that's Chester a good one. saying Branson, Brody saying Nashville, Corey saying Omaha, Kelsey saying St. Louis, and Seth saying St. Louis. 
Nobody got it. The oh, correct that's... answer is Memphis. Oh. oh. I was I in the never right state. That. Was that the bone for Damn Jim? It. <laughs> no, still not the gym bone. The Bass Pro Shop Pyramid was built in 1954 and was long used as an arena that held live events like Memphis Grizzlies games, Rolling Stones concerts, and even Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson. Hmm. The arena was abandoned in 2005, but in 2010, Bass Pro Shops signed a 55-year lease with the city of Memphis to place their mega store there. It's now home to a hotel, archery range, laser arcade, restaurant, aquarium, and bowling alley. So, Chester, have you I been have there? I have not been there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, a hint that wouldn't even help anybody because Chester nope. didn't know hey, it. Hey, did you, did you notice that I was playing a perfect game till then? I did not. Uh, we will now hear from Corinne to get a scoreboard update, which I think means Steve will have four. Yes. Surprise, everyone. Steve has four. Uh, tied for second place is uh, it's Jim and Chester with three each. Brody and Seth with two each. Corey with one. And Kelsey not on the board. Just You don't understand yet. how angry that makes me. <laughs> <laughs> and how it really brings it them? home when they I mean, do the score. I know. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to have to hear it two more times, Kelsey. Better get one. Hey, you know when you take uh, some time to clean out, uh, let's say, like clean out your garage, and you're like, man, how was I living like that with that place such a mess? Well, check this out. If you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then you switch over to Mint Mobile and get plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you'll be saying, how was I ever affording to do that way I did it before? It's time to switch, okay, to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater and you will cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. Again, mintmobile.com slash meat eater. It's a $45 upfront payment required, which is the equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day, and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you, to get hydrated doesn't matter outdoor events turkey hunting playing sports beach days mountain adventures summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick it's clear why liquid iv is the number one powdered hydration brand in america tear pour live more one stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code 
meat eater at liquidiv.com. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash eater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. Question six. The topic is habitat. This next great question comes to us via Nathan Powers. If you have a question you Jim's think bone? is right for meat eater trivia, <laughs> you can send it to trivia at TheMeatEater.com, you will know for certain when it's Jim's bone. <laughs> Food plot fertilizers always list NPK values. The N is nitrogen. What do the P and K stand for? Food plot fertilizers always list NPK values. The N is nitrogen. You need to tell me what the P stands for and what the K stands for. Steve knew this one immediately. No, no, no. Oh, no. Portions. Okay, portions. Looking for the P and the K. Jim, you know this one? Mm -hmm. He does. Yep. Confidently. And it's not even the Jim question yet. (laughs) You should know this, yeah. (laughs) Why why should you? Oh, okay. Why should you know this one, Kelsey? An agricultural degree. That's right. Which is surprising because I'm an artist, but yeah. N-P-K. I'll tell you that the N is nitrogen. You need to tell me what the P and the K stand for. Does everybody have an answer? Uh, I eventually would. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have the right answer or a answer? Doesn't know. Seth, you know this one? Can you just I, have I know one? It. It's okay just to have one. No, we need no. both. Uh, P and K. I know it, Spencer. Okay. Why do you know this one? Just also, have general wisdom. Ag degree, and I used to be a food plot nut. Really? So, yeah. where were you planting food plots at? In Pennsylvania. I like it. Does everybody have an answer? No. No. I should know this. I've planted. You boys are gonna come up. Plots. I got. I got Brody tapping his hand like a watch, saying we need to move <laughs> on with it. <laughs> Steve. Dude, I'm stuck. Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying phosphate. Jim saying phosphorus and potassium. Oh, no, no, I had that. I had that. <laughs> without an answer. I deleted it. saying potassium and calcium. Corey's saying phosphate and potassium. Kelsey's saying phosphorus and question mark. Seth's saying phosphorus and potassium. The P is phosphorus and the K is potassium. I had so that. So the room did pretty you well. Had, I had that. Why don't you have one answer? There? Why don't because you have I thought one? phosphate replace. I thought potassium. <sighs> <laughs> Steve is always the guy who is first to shame Corinne for like not writing down a guess. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't even keep his guess that he had written I down. I wasn't. Listen. 
<laughs> We're listening. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get a half point? No, that's a problem. <laughs> that was your chance to pounce, Jackrabbit Jim. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> These are some of the most important oh. macronutrients for plants. Simply put, the higher the number, the more concentrated the element is. So if your fertilizer has an NPK value of 25 Five, that means it has four times as much nitrogen as it does phosphorus and potassium. And if it is a 20-20-20, then it has twice as much concentration of all three nutrients than a bag of 10-10-10. Here's the deal. My soils class finally I knew the off. P, right? I was like, okay, <laughs> P is potassium. But I was like, then what could the K be? Because I know phosphate needs to be in there, and that's a P. Uh, Almost. The K, the K will get you. Yeah. <laughs> they ran out of peas on the periodic chart. They had to come up with something else. Question seven. The topic is cooking. What federal agency replaced the food pyramid with a plate in 2011? What federal agency replaced the food pyramid with a plate in 2011? Quick answer from Steve. Seems as though he knows this one. Brody, you know this? Well, I think I do. Okay. I'm out of this thing, though. You think so? We'll get a scoreboard update and a few questions here. Suffer now. Yeah. <laughs> wasting my time. Again, what federal agency replaced the food pyramid with a plate in 2011? I'd have a lot of respect if you just walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you know you can't win and you just leave, I'd respect that. Yep. Does everybody have an answer? No. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm... Should know this. Federal agency. Chester, you going to come up with one? I don't even think this is a federal agency. <laughs> Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying the FDA. Jim saying the USDA. Chester without an answer. Brody saying FDA. Corey saying Food and Drug Administration. Kelsey saying FDA. Kelsey's on the board. Seth is it right? saying FDA. <laughs> yeah. The correct answer is the U.S. Department oh, of Agriculture. No! I thought I was wrong. It is not the FDA. I was looking FDA. at all the FDAs and I was it thinking, It is not oh, the crap. FDA. It is the USDA. I knew it. I'm never that doing this again. That was humunculus all the way. That was humunculus all I the way. I knew that was the end. God, I felt confident in that the one. Because I wrote it down and I'm thinking, Department of Agriculture, why, why, why would it be? Business? That's why yeah, it's a good question. You would think food. Yeah, they got that assigned to the wrong. It's not that I was wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the USDA introduced the first food pyramid in 1992 and replaced it with my pyramid in 2005 and replaced that with my plate in 2011. The biggest change from the 1992 pyramid to the 2011 plate is that fats, like nuts and oils, are less discouraged. Another difference is that the grain servings were cut in half. Now explain to me what category that was. That's cooking. Yeah, that's okay. cooking. Meat that's, is a big part of the right. pyramid and plate. I'm, I was just checking. I forgot. <laughs> that old school pyramid was hilarious. Oh, it was like 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 you dairy all, all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just bre- white bread as much as you want. Question eight. The topic is conservation. This next great question comes to us via Anthony Frith. If you have a question you think is right for Meat Eater Trivia, you can send it to trivia at TheMeatEater.com. Is this Jim's bone? No. (laughs) This is an audio question. I am going to play you one minute of one of the greatest conservation songs ever written. You need to tell me who the artist is. And progress came and took its toll. And in the name of flood control, 
They made their plans and they drained the land. Now the grains are growing dry. And the last time I walked in the swamp, I sat up on a cypress. Is it Chester? Could be. And I heard the ghost of Osceola cry. So go. That's the greatest conservation it's song? It's one of one of the greatest conservation songs I'll give, I've written. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Now, Steve knew the lyrics, but do you know the artist? I think I know his first name. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking Can we for first name? the artist. Now, you're going to need a last name in there. <laughs> going to need a last name. Does anybody know this one? Maybe. Maybe from Chester. Man, that song, I was, uh, Friday and Saturday nights, I was washing dishes at Steiner's Point when that song came out. One thing I love about this Long artist time is, ago. is a lot of folks who are fans of his, they like to say something like, I don't always listen to blank, but when I do, my neighbors do as well. <laughs> Meaning you really crank it loud. Does everybody have an answer? Looking for the artist. Corinne, you know this one? You were, you were bopping your head over there. No. Don't okay. know it. There was a sign that said uh, at Steiner's Point. Um, there was a sign that said, "If there's time to lean, there's time to clean." And the dude that ran the griddle changed it to say, "If there's time to lean, there's time to make a burger." There you go. <laughs> I worked at a cafe in high school, and and we had a similar we had a lot saying. Of the uh, the manager there would always say, uh, "They knew the people who would get the dishwater shits." So whenever the dishes had to start happening, they would be in the bathroom not cleaning dishes. So that's the dishwater shits. Does everybody have an answer for who this artist is? Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying John Montgomery, Jim saying Luke Combs, Chester saying Joe Diffie, Brody saying Black Sabbath, Corey (laughs) saying James Taylor, Kelsey without an answer, Seth saying Joe Diffie. Nobody got it. The correct answer is John Anderson. I knew it was John. I told you it was John. I knew it started with a J. Anderson wrote that song in 1992 about his home state of Florida and how the military attempted to drain the Everglades during the Second Seminole War. His lyrics reference Seminole chief Osceola, whose ghost cries out over the destruction of the swamp for financial gain. Anderson was named Bass Pro's Conservation Partner of the Year in 2016 for his environmental work in South Florida. And earlier this year, our friend Luke Combs covered that song on a John Anderson tribute album. So I'm not going to give it to you, Jim, <laughs> but that's a good answer. I was 100% sure Luke Combs was wrong, and I was pretty pleased <laughs> he to hear just, that. He just released his own version of that song, which is also great. Corinne, give us a scoreboard update. We have two questions left. <sighs> Guess who's winning? It is Jim. He pulled out the lead. In the Jim. lead with five. Whoop, whoop. Steve in second with four. Seth with three. Chester with three. Brody and Corey with two. And Kelsey, still not. No, still she had on one. No. Oh, no, she didn't. No. Now, hey, you said I had one. I think but you, you got to cancel the bone. No, it's right here. <laughs> How can you get the leader a bone? 
The Mueller well, Foundation does a lot of good question habitat. three or question nine. It's all the same. The Mueller Foundation does a lot of good habitat work. <laughs> They've really helped us out a lot. Question nine. The topic is Jim Heffelfinger or biology. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call the permanent outgrowth on a deer skull where antlers grow from? What do you call the permanent outgrowth on a deer skull? That was exactly. We have Jim uh, giggling to himself over here. It seems like Brody and Steve know it as well. I was like throwing the room a bone. Yeah. Does everybody have an answer? (laughs) Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying pedicle, pedicle. And I spelled it wrong. Uh, Chester's pedicle. We'll give it to you. Pedicle, pedicle. Pedicle. Everybody yeah. got it. The yeah. funny thing about pedicle is everybody pronounce it like medical to rhyme like medical because that's what Anthony Bubenick, a famous antler researcher, said that it, it rhymes with medical. But mm-hmm. Anthony Bubenick knew about six languages and English was like his fifth language. Oh. So we're all pronouncing it based on Anthony. What, what, what do you think it should be? Pedicle? I don't know. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> now, deer pedicles have been called the fingerprint of the whitetail world because each one has a unique structure specific to different bucks. Pedicle injuries are just one way that a deer can grow a non-typical rack along with egg, leg injuries, testicle injuries, hormone imbalances, and genetics. Corinne, I don't think we need another scoreboard update since everybody got that one right, except right. for Kelsey is now on the, board. on the board. Everybody, thank Kelsey you. Has thank won. you very much. We're still down to our last question. We still have Jim and Steve in it. We would need Jim to get it wrong and Steve to get it right <laughs> to go to overtime. And the topic is fishing. I don't really know that Jim's. This weak is going to be the 1980 hockey, the Olympics in hockey. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to pull out a fishing win. Two anglers have won the Bassmaster Classic four times. Name one of those anglers. Oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on this and I <laughs> Two anglers uh, have won the Bassmaster Classic four times. Name one of those anglers. Jim had a pretty quick answer anyway. So he might know this one. Chester is distraught right now. I'm trying Name to re- how many of them? Just one. Just one. Just one of the two anglers that have won well, it twice. Um. Jim, how confident are you? Oh, I'm pretty confident. You think you got it? Yep. Okay. Steve, how confident are you? Not at all. Oh, no. We might just have an outright victory. I'm trying to remember his name, and I cannot remember it. That's, That's the key, remembering his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does everybody have an answer? This isn't him, but... I know I don't have it right. I'm just going to (laughs) leave. Everybody else? (laughs) Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying Iconelli. Uh, Jim saying BS He's got who I was trying to think of. (laughs) Chester saying Bill Dance. Brody with his board upside down. Kevin Van Dam. Kevin Van Dam. Corey saying Bill Dance. Kelsey without an answer. Seth saying Kevin Van Dam. The two anglers are Rick Clun and Kevin Van Dam. Doesn't change anything, though. Doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Steve didn't get it. Jim didn't get it either. But Jim is our winner. What's with you? Anti-climatic. And how many, how many like, did he get right for the like, victory? 
Uh, Jim got six for his victory. Six. Yeah. Well what, done. Steve uh, yeah. yep. Tough as, round as of four. Yeah, five. As forecasted. None of my business. One of my business. Kid? It felt like a pl- anticlimactic and, and five. Yeah. Weak, yeah. A weak win. <laughs> a weak win. <laughs> well, Does that mean you had a weak loss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Steve like, a sore loser? He's like every sore loser. Seems like toward the end, they're all wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's because yep. I, I did such a great job at the beginning. I could coast. <sighs> Wait, is is Jim our second guest winner? Jim is our yeah. second guest winner. Now, uh, here Man. is the anticlimactic part. Did what are he... you going to do with your $500 donation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mueller Foundation. Yeah. And, what, and what, why should people support the Mule Deer yeah, Foundation? Mueller, Fo- Mueller Foundation is, is really habitat-oriented. They do tons of good habitat work that's putting Mueller on the ground, not just you know talking about Mueller conservation, but they're doing measurable stuff that's helping Mueller on the ground. But I also chair a Western Mueller working group for the Western Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. They have always been there to have our back when we needed some funding to, to do a publication layout or or fund some printing of some publications or give us meeting rooms. They've really been kind of our support for a long time. So they do a lot of good stuff. I, I will give you credit for this. When you kept saying where you're going to give your money, we all laughed. We thought you were just being cocky, but yeah, you were you well, knew where your money was going to go. No, he was like yeah. a fortune teller. Yeah, he, he yeah, knew. Right. Let's see into the future. Uh huh. I'll point out that I thought yeah, I said I, I, I said you'd probably beat me. <laughs> That's oh right. yeah, you're yeah. a fortune teller too. Okay, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> well done, Jim. I would say that was a strong victory. Uh-huh. Good job uh, representing trivia guests everywhere. Join us next time for more Meat Eater Trivia, the only game show where conservation always wins. Yeah, I got the first four right. Did you notice that? Yeah. Tough second. The only game at. show where I always do well on the first three <laughs> questions and then tank. <laughs> Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds i like pot calls i just like pot calls i enjoy calling with a pot call whatever direction you go including a box call which i don't personally use too much but they're fun and great and i started out with them yanni on the other hand one of my main turkey hunting buddies he loves box calls and what's funny is i'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey so it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.